just, oh, good to know. Okay, yeah, don't so ask don't ask me that, me that question. Yeah. Cool. Skip don't the... know anything apart from <laughs> where it is. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, you were just like, that is too much. <laughs> ask, ask me another question. No. <laughs> Not relating to Estonia. Done. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Jasmine Suvi. <laughs> First time, guys. Yeah, yeah. Tw- only twice. once, only ever once. That didn't take about five. Days. Yeah, definitely didn't make it. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel like I feel like this is the thing. Like when you listen to professional like people and they have never butchered a name in their life, you're like, you have not lived. Because I have read some very interesting names over my course of my career, like. And just, I think Greek names are the ones that throw me the most. Yeah, because like they're long, they're yeah. like, and they're lots of like, you know, um, Anthonopoulos is one, or like, it is one of my friends' names, last names. And originally, when I read it, I was like, blah, 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 blah. what? How do you say this? But yeah, it's like you break it down, it makes sense. But yeah, like if you just go, like, and say it, you just like this, you know, like I, I dated someone whose last name was Kuparachi. And like you'd look at that, and it's um, what what was uh, Sri Lankan last name? Oh yeah. So I was like, you know, this I should get your last name very easily, yeah. but apparently I just added the French little hook to it. Maybe you just add French hooks to names. Maybe that's look, just uh, your... <laughs> Jasmine. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you speak any French? <laughs> no, just with his lip, have anglais, which probably um, is all the French I know, and that means uh, I'm sorry. I believe it means I'm sorry. I don't speak uh, English, or or no, I think can you, you speak English? Yeah. I can't even speak. English. <laughs> like, sorry, I don't speak English, and you say it in French, and they're like, yeah. "Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't actually know my own language. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, Jasmine, tell everyone on the internet, my first question about you, is telling everyone on the internet who you are and what you do. Cool. Um, <laughs> I'm Jasmine. <laughs> I do camera lighting. Um, is pretty much the way I break down what I do <laughs> because it's kind of hard to explain sometimes to people. But um, I've been camera assisting and gaffing is my main two roles for the past couple of years. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, d- explain to the punters out there who don't know what gaffing is, because I know what gaffing is, yeah. but it's it's not a name that you would particularly think, oh, that makes sense. It's a name that kind of sounds like using gaffer tape yeah, and yeah, going, true. this <laughs> yeah. will stay there. My whole job is just um, putting gaffer tape across the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty um, strenuous. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. So gaffing is um, pretty much just doing the lighting of a film. Um, it's essentially like lighting directing. Yeah. Um, if you're like from theatre, that would be a good comparison. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much just doing the lighting uh, and also being in charge of the lighting team. Wow. But um, depending on the production budget yeah <laughs> um the team varies from zero people to like eight. <laughs> oh wow okay so, so you can kind of like wax and wane of what you yeah. know is achievable yeah so like i think my usual team is a team of just like one assistant or two assistants 
but, <laughs> like because I'm in that mid range. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's gaffers who I know are in their like fifties and sixties yeah. have been doing it for decades, and 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 they are also kind of the people that you look at, and they could do the whole thing themselves. Oh, yeah. They just don't want to. Yeah, like they're like I I, I don't care like enough. I need helpers. Um, but they're the people who you look at and you go, oh, you could light a scene like blinded, like you know, it's it's kind of amazing. Um, the responsibility of gaffing. And because that's something I feel like when we were in school, and I don't know if this happened to you, but it was kind of the last thing that was really kind of cared about was lighting. Everything else was like camera, editing, the, like the varies of prop setting and, you know, production. Yeah, I mean, I got taught a bit of lighting in uni because um, I did a, the advanced cinematography unit mm. where um, he went through, he would give us um, photos and we'd have to pretty much mimic them and go through and be like, so they lit it this way, so now we need to try and light it that way. Oh, wow. And, okay. like, just analyzing the photos and trying and getting to the photos as close as possible with, like, our own means. So we did a lot of that, like, yeah. every weekend, every Saturday, we would have, like, have to do, a, like, two or three lighting setups, um, like, based off a photo that someone brought in. Wow. So, my uni was pretty good like that. That's nuts, but that's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, it really helped, like, to be able to look at a picture and, like, if a director gives you, like, reference photos and he's like, I want it to look like this, then you can look at it and be like, well, they used, like, double diffusion on that side. And yeah. That definitely looks like a hard source as a hairlight and, like, that's definitely an ambient there. Like, you can kind of, like, pick it apart and then try yeah. and give them back what they've given you. Which is, you know, I, f I, I feel like that is kind of 101 because, you know, with – with the resources that we have from like internet now, um, most people are going to like, you know, use storyboards that are necessarily less written or drawn out and kind of just reference shots. Like they're like, this is kind of the lighting or the aspect um, that I want. And then for it's easier to kind of like copy and paste. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, does that then, do you feel like people kind of like, it gives you a lot of creative freedom or does it kind of feel like, you know, people are limited to what they want to do with the lighting choices? Well, I feel like they're pretty flexible with it because yeah. if, as long as it looks good on the camera, yeah. they don't mind too much. <laughs> like, and as long as it's like true to their own style, because yeah. like every DOP you work with, like is has a different style yeah and so it's whatever style they want to do is kind of like they'll kind of tell you <laughs> yeah. what they're looking for and they'll try and make it their own as well if so like yeah. even though they give you the reference images that you can pick apart like they'll also be able to be like oh cool i want actually want to like have it a little less saturated or yeah 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 etc i mean that's a I always feel like that because, you know, when I look at lighting, especially when you look at old films and, like, black and white and stuff, and it's lit entirely differently. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, the camera style of lighting black and white, which I think as a kid, in hindsight, I was like, oh, it's just like lighting in colour. It's not. <laughs> it's an old, different beast. And, but, yeah, it's, like, the same with film. You light film differently to how you light digital. Um, you know, like, what's... The, do people have a preference to shoot on film or like digital? Or is it kind of just a mix all the time? I've never shot on film. Really? <laughs> before. Yeah. Is that a challenge that you want? Um, I want to. Mm -hmm. Um, there might be an opportunity for me to camera assist next year. Ooh. Um, on film. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I honestly like I learned 
like film developing in high school. <laughs> yeah. And then like nothing from them since. And then wow. there has never been a project that's just come along for it. Yeah. Because it's so expensive and we only have like a few like labs um, in Sydney for film developing. Yeah. And usually you need to outsource them um, and or like send them to the States or send them <laughs> somewhere in Europe. Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> like Yeah, because I mean like th- that was the thing that I feel like, you know, people can buy Super 8 cameras. People can buy like all these little, uh, you know, knickknacks and stuff that are antiques now. And, you know, most people, if they're kind of sane, have a Polaroid at home. But it does kind of make you go, well, you know, the digital age, um, I find with it, is good and bad because people kind of then don't learn the theory behind how film works. Oh, definitely. And that drives me mental because it's like this big encyclopedia of how film works, like from the start of it to now. And then people are just like, hmm. Oh, I can just shoot on my phone and make it look like the best film. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, you can't. Yeah, it's not the same. Like, even um, so the teacher who we had in uni who t- was teaching advanced cinematography, yeah, he would like be teaching us foot candles, <laughs> like, and like just the old school way of like lighting. Yeah, and um, you could tell that, and even the special effects that he was like, put Vaseline in the lens, like, yeah. <laughs> and like put a stocking over the like sensor. Like yeah. he was doing all these like oldie tricks. Um, so like y- there was definitely so much to learn from that era, but like we just didn't have the film cameras to play with. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping that I get to it to learn how to load. I've actually bought like three just stills film cameras um, in the last like couple months because I want to, know the theory of it way more than I do yeah. because I think there's always something to learn from it. So Yeah, I'm I'm like I'm very grateful that I learned it off my dad because my dad was a photographer for so many years. So one of the things was you know, he always shot in film. So I went to like Vision Graphics where he got his film developed and, you know, you'd look at these giant ass machines and people going into dark rooms and everything and like how they he'd look through the negatives and go, Yep, that one let's blow this up to, you know, whatever size that he wanted and then sell it. And I think that for me growing up made me really appreciate it. But then when I tell people that, or, you know, especially young people coming into the industry or, you know, like um, definitely students coming into it, I feel like, yeah, the theory behind, you know, everyone's like, oh, I can just upload a mobile photo or like my camera photo to the computer. And I mean, like, the trial and error is like playing with a camera, like playing with a DSLR or, you know, oh, yeah. or, or going out there with, you know, like I have a Canon uh, 5D, great camera. A lot of it is I use manual focus and, oh, yeah. it, you know, it's just, but I occasionally just went lazy. I'll just like, okay, cool. I'll just kind of roughly get the focus right on the automatic and then adjust. And I think one of the things that it has, and it taught me something was that, that um, if you have a, uh, and most cameras do this, which is if you have a vis- um, uh, like a film camera, like a DSLR, which is film predominantly and um, photos come second, they'll have a wide sensor for the film aspect and then a cropped sensor for the, you know, whatever setting that they don't think is relevant. So Sony, um, the A7S series have wide for obviously filming and cropped for photos. Um, it was this A7R, obviously. Yeah. have a full range for photos and cropped for and so the canon 
has that crop center for videos, which is why I've never used it because I also just think that Canon is so overused in terms of just the natural. Like, it's like everyone goes to me, oh, an Arri Alexa is great. And I'm like, it is. Everything is great. Like, you could tell me any camera is great, but I can still tell you that picking up a $300 camera from a store and teaching yourself is not going to hurt. You don't need to buy the top of the range. Like people forget that and they suddenly go, you know, because I feel like it's easier when you get to play with it. It's like an exciting birthday present to play with the big things, but you've got to start somewhere with the basics of, you know, DSLR. And I've seen so many people who don't know how to use basic technology like that. And you see the, like the, you know, the fact that they don't use stabilizers, you know, in building the cameras or they don't put things on trifolds. It's like nuts to me that people use handhelds without rigs. Like, you know, yeah. and I just see people, you know, you can do it, but they put like the little, um, uh, was it the um, neck thing over them and then just hold the camera out as steady oh, really? as they can. Yeah, I've seen that. It's great. Oh, but gosh. I'm like, I expect that of like kids, you know, because, you know, obviously you can't afford a hundred dollar, yeah. you know, but when you're an adult, you it's like 90 bucks, hundred bucks to buy a tripod. Yeah. They're like the cheapest ever. Like, does that, I think, does that as you get older, sort of, you notice more that when you kind of like appreciate the things that you learned and how you learned them? Um, I appreciate coming from photography because mm. I started with such a um, shitty Nikon camera. Yeah. <laughs> that was like... 500E something like <laughs> yeah, really yeah. long name like because you know how like the worse they get the longer the name yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true like, QXM39B yeah. or some bullshit like yeah and it's like oh <laughs> and it was literally like the cheapest camera ever yeah <laughs> um but I had like my stepdad's lenses at least mm. but um I found that learning how to use that camera and learning like just general basic shit like shutter speed and like how that affects the ISO and the, yeah. like, all of that, just how they correlate together because I it took me so long to, like, get it in my head when I was, like, 16, maybe younger. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I appreciate coming from a background in pretty much just photography Yeah. so that I can come into film. And it's different, but the fundamentals are still the same. Yeah. Like, it's still... You're playing with the ISO, the f-stop, shutter. Yeah, and those are the things that you're. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, around with at the basics. And I feel like people, you know, when you look at ISO, you think, oh, okay, if I heighten the ISO to a certain point, you're going to get that grain effect. Oh and yeah, you, and it's just. And I remember, like, when I heard about the A7S series, and I was like, oh my god, it doesn't have that, like, high grain effect in dark. And I was like, I, I did it, but you, you push it to a point. Yeah. And it still does. Like it's, it's just the range, I guess. That yeah. They allow it to have, but the thing is with video cameras, with ISO, you just use the, um, base setting. Of, yeah. Like the, what is it called? The, I can't remember the word. For it. No, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but the, it's like the flat, the flat lining of just the base setting for it and then like this is what you the recommended iso yeah. for the camera yeah and then and then you just like and i find yeah you flood it with light like you just if you're shooting outside you just then flood night scenes with lots of light yeah um which i've seen i mean like i did a photo shoot year, a couple of years back in um just um in uh Ataman, and we first time i kind of shot in uh the dark we got a little like you know, like my friend's little LED kind of little lights 
and yeah, just flooded that and just kind of turned them up as high as they go and then sort of like adjusted my camera to what it needed yeah. and then was like, cool, we're not going to push it beyond this because then suddenly the grain comes in from the background. So all the images look great. Like they look like, you know, it was probably lit and everything. And I was like, oh man, I just like learned this on the fly. Um, but it did make me appreciate the settings more. Like I was like, oh, okay. Like everything you do makes you go, oh, right. This is why people don't muck around too much with it because if you like I looked at my first ever photo <laughs> it looks like shit <laughs> like it just looks awful and like not even film like first time I got a digital camera it's just like and see what I did wrong um was that like do you have old photos and and stuff like you look at it and just go like keep from memories <laughs> um not necessarily photos a little old videos yeah I have like a lot of old show reels because like I started pretty early mm. <laughs> while I was in high school and so like I look back at those and I'm like oh that's so bad <laughs> like, little jasmine yeah like I did like I dappled in weddings and like dappled wow. in like music while I was in high school and I was like oh really glad I'm in film now, <laughs> like, oh, I dodged a bullet, <laughs> like, because I find that, like, people don't realize that, like, the difference between videography and, like, filmmaking mm. is, like, the amount of crew you have Yeah, really affects the final image. Yeah. Like, you can go out anywhere and record something with a camera, but, like, if the lighting isn't like meticulous or like yeah. really nice or like the production design isn't like not isn't there, like it's not gonna look good, <laughs> like or no. as good as what it could look like with that. Like the last feature I've been on, um, it was really obvious to me how like um how much like camera assistance and like me as a gaffer helps the final product to show the DP's yeah. vision. Like the contribution everyone puts in like actually makes like a solid difference yeah like people are all looking for these like shooter producer editor roles <laughs> and it's like you're not getting as good of a product from that. no like you're not getting that like filmic look that people are always looking for or talking about like <laughs> And I feel like the you know it's 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 the same in post production because like I remember you know one of my friends who's a foley artist, um, and you know and I have a couple of friends who are dialogue editors and everything. And every time I talk to them, they're just like, "Oh, why would you be like? Why would you juggle so many roles when you can perfect this?" And it's like that is why there are so many people. Yeah. Like this is why there are editors. And then they pass over to sound designers because they're not editors of sound. They're editors of the film and that's as far as it goes. Mm -hmm. And then they export the final product and you're done. Like it's it's, it's the same because I feel like when I, you know, like color grading is, I'm going to say it's a bitch because it is. It's like it's hard. Because getting, you know, like obviously every time you do lighting setup and everything, you kind of like, I've I've watched films and you go, oh, that color correction isn't great or that lighting setup's a little bit different like it's not as bad as some you know films where you like the watch the b-grade to like snakes on a train shit yeah <laughs> um and it's really obvious but i mean like if you watch daredevil or something you know yeah, on disney you can been. yeah you can see the like the lighting you know colors aren't matching always and they yeah. kind of like shift between shots and that's normal but i think as filmmakers we notice it more oh definitely because we are obsessed with 
perfection, which is impossible. Like, what do you think of that, like, idea that everyone's, you know, you're always going, oh, it needs to be perfect. Do you have that drive in you? Um, I definitely don't, actually. <laughs> oh, that's good. I don't have that drive because I'm kind of, as long as it looks, like, good, and it doesn't need to be, like, necessary because, like, the vision you have in your head doesn't always come out the way you're going to, like, yeah. envision it. So in terms of perfection, it's – I feel like a most of it is just getting the job done so you can, like, help the DOP figure out their vision. Yeah. And in, in terms of, like – like, I know, for instance, the DOP I've been working with recently, um, he's really, like – obsessed with perfection like super like anal like about like the shot looking perfect mm. and as the shoot progressed we just didn't have time wow. and so by like week four it was like all right put that light up there and we'll try this and oh, good enough <laughs> like like it's possible yeah. and like still really good like in terms of how it looks to like me because I'm not as experienced as like a DOP. So yeah. I'm looking at it. I'm like, it looks great. Like, what are you talking about? And he's just saying like, no, <laughs> it needs another light here. <laughs> like, or we need to add a bit of something, something. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> it's like whatever you need. Oh just, yeah. <laughs> just lo- let me sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> it was the great, it was the, it was the first shoot I've ever done where I've, properly had weekends off <laughs> wow yeah so it was monday friday yeah every how how yeah it was i don't know it was insane like how long was the shoot for it was about five six weeks okay that's pretty good like for, yeah. for weekends constantly yeah it was awesome i mean i'm kind of i i can't say no to work i'm like i just can't someone's like you want to do a job on this weekend and i'm like Oh, you know, I haven't had like any sleep in the last 20 days, but like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm kind of super, I I love working. Like I love working. So it's, you describe yourself as a workaholic? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Just, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much like if any psychologist opened up that book, it's like, yes, 100% workaholic, you know. No questions asked. Yeah, but uh, I mean, also, I do know when I'm burnt out. Okay. So, like... That's the main thing. Like, this week, I've had most of this week off as Mm. a break because that was a big shoot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I need to, like, de-stress, chill out, maybe actually sleep a bit. Like, I don't need to think about anything. Yeah. I'll, like, catch up on my own voices, like, look into work and stuff. Yeah, because how do you work that out as a, you know, as a freelancer and stuff? Like, how do you work out your own invoices and everything? Um, So I just have this template that I made. Well, not a template, but it's I've made it. Yeah. And then I've just been using it as a template since I started. <laughs> like it's wow. uh, it's the same template I've been using since high school. <laughs> That's <laughs> impressive. And it's just like done via an Excel spreadsheet I'm imagining or is it like No, it was just done on like pages. <laughs> like respect. <laughs> like it was on Word for a bit, and then I, like, transferred it over to Pages. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, even yeah. better. It just looks prettier. Yeah. <laughs> It'll look nicer. Because, like, um, yeah, I mean, like, the thing that I always think people don't talk about, which is, you know, pe- I guess people going, oh, what's freelance? It kind of is that you are your own boss. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You work under an ABN, and you are your own 
entity. Like I have to sort out my own super and tax. Yeah. Like, which was insane when I graduated uni. Like once I graduated and started earning like a proper income, I like suddenly got taxed that year. And I was like, what is this? Why am I getting taxed? That's crazy. Like I don't earn enough. And then I realized I wasn't earning enough to get taxed. But since I was like, I hadn't been earning enough. It wasn't yeah. until then that I was like, oh, yeah, t- I need to pay tax this now. Is a, <laughs> like, this is a requirement. Yeah. And so, like, I have a great tax agent, though. So, like, yeah. it's great. But um, I went to them and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, like, no one explains it to you. Like, no, no one's I... like, you got to, like, pay this man a tax or, like, you teach yourself how to run a business as a freelancer. Like, yeah. That is the good part about being a freelancer is that you're in charge and then the bad part is that you're in charge. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like if you go to the all the, uh, you know, um, insurance policies or anything like that and you read the fine print and none of it makes sense and you go and scratch your head for, like, half an hour going, who the fuck signs up to like yeah. you just and I and I do this all the time because like you know when you're you know most people have I think their own public liability and stuff like I know people who have their own um, public liability when it comes to their own equipment and stuff like that um, but not everyone like yeah. obviously like you but the higher you pay obviously means you're protected by like you know because I remember public liability used to be 10 million it was like a standard, just 10 million across every, and now it's 20 million. It's like every, yeah. <laughs> every few years, it just jumps in terms of what inc- requirements you need. And I did like a calculation going, okay, what's, you know, if I were to film something, what would I require? And, you know, as, as anyone, you always need public liability because basically if you're a film shooter or anything, it's yeah. just required. Um, same with the, like a proof of ABN, if you're a business or you're, you know, Anything like that. And I, I remember looking at it and just going, all right, so let's just calculate all the fees and everything. And it was like a grand for a year. And I was like, why? I had like this one shoot where I was camera assisting. Actually, I got told I was production assisting. Mm-hmm. But then I was camera assisting. And then I was also gaffing. And I was like, that's not what a PA does. And <laughs> <laughs> It was a very um, weird shoot and the camera operator turns up and he's like so tired and out of it. And he's like, I've just got a flight from somewhere. And I was like, okay, dude, like (laughs) let's do the shoot. And um, afterwards, so I was getting paid through him, through the operator instead Mm. of through the company. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. Which apparently is sometimes standard. I didn't know that. But um, he sends me an email. It was like, I think I was getting like 300 bucks for the day. And he sends me this email saying that I need to get public liability as a PA earning 300 bucks for a one day shoot. And I was like, um, I don't, I was like still in uni. Like yeah. I was freelancing as like my part-time job, I guess during uni. And I was like, I don't have any fucking money. <laughs> like, what do you mean? We've done the shoot. Yeah. Like apparently since he'd, been growing as a business his like tax agent or someone was saying that he needed like his crew to have public liability insurance and since I was getting paid through him he was like freaking out about like me not having it and I was like I (laughs) it's a one day shoot and like the production should have public liability insurance to be fair like I still don't have it (laughs) no and most people don't you know unless you are a production company most people don't have it yeah um it wasn't until um Three months later, I hadn't gotten paid, 
And um, the, yeah. Finest in Barkle, yeah. Yeah, and then the producer calls me and she's like, hey, I have this other job um, for a TV series if you want to do it. And I go, oh, well, I would, but I haven't gotten paid <laughs> for the last one. And she goes, what? Go, yeah, I just haven't gotten paid. And she goes, oh, like, didn't the operator pay you? And he goes, he said I needed public liability insurance, but I can't afford that. And she was like... Let me talk it out. <laughs> and then I suddenly got like a sneaky 300 bucks like <laughs> that day. <laughs> nice. But like it's it was crazy because she clearly had public liability insurance because yeah. they're a professional company. Like they're pretty well known. <laughs> but this operator just didn't realize that like I didn't need it. <laughs> like Yeah, because I mean like th- that's the thing. Like, it, And especially if he's hiring out through himself then he needs the public liability. Yeah, like, exactly. His employers don't, but he does because yeah. he is then required by law to look after you and anything that happens to you. Yeah. Um, it's like the same thing if, you know, like if you're in a low indie production or anything like that and someone's injured, the last thing you want to do is have that injured person on set because they are then a liability and they go, oh, I'm fine. It's like, no, do not trust that person with a 10 pole. Like it's worse to have someone on set who is injured, who has a pre-existing injury, and then they get worse because of something on set. Because then it's down to the person who's organized the set, yep. which is bad. <laughs> and, yeah, but, you know, like, as I think, you know, individuals, we all go, oh, no, it's fine, though. Like, it's fine. And it's like, well, you forget the big picture. You forget that someone is at the top and eventually by the federal or however it's seen is actually in response to yeah. everything that happens. And it's such a, like, um, I, there is a very big bureaucracy. <laughs> There's a bureaucracy around filmmaking as well that kind of, like, churns out um, this whole thing. But, I mean, like, yeah, like, every time I look at insurance forms, I realise that bureaucracy where it is very, like, it's not like how they taught you, us as kids where it's like, oh, you just go out and, make something and and do it and you know when you're students and everything and you just kind of like make it up as you go along big productions the paperwork is like that thing mm-hmm. it's like pages upon pages upon pages it's like whose responsibility is yeah. it and it, it always goes back to the producers yeah <laughs> and the producers don't want to like yeah <laughs> kick themselves in the butt no like no <laughs> they don't want to do they don't want to do any damage to themselves but i mean like do you, is that um when you freelance though and you stuff, have you, how are you, like, are you with kind of voicing sets that you're like, oh, this is a good set or this is a bad set? Or is it kind of just like anything goes because, you know, you're obviously freelancing or is it a little bit more that is the era changing where you can go and kind of blacklist sets or like, how's that all work these days? When you say blacklisting, do you mean like not choosing to yeah like sets? not choosing to go on certain sets if you know that certain people like you know oh, okay. like the, the choice the choice now because i i mean like the, the i guess the the proper sort of situ um question would be how do you know when a set is going to be good versus a set which you know is going to be a bit dodgy and not exactly following protocols and you're going to be like oh yeah that could be worse off for me yeah in the long run depends what production company yeah. Um, but I found that like so early on in my career, I was like, I will do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Literally take any work. And it's like been the last couple years where I've been like, no, I'm not going to do that set <laughs> and like have the freedom to say no to things. Yeah. But like it's usually 
just like when people are offering like I I want a gaffer for a hundred bucks <laughs> and you're like oh well um, <laughs> don't quite I, I, I mean I could but mm. yeah and as someone who it's really hard to say no to work <laughs> I sometimes do but if it's a friend oh yeah but like if it's someone like, because you see these Facebook pages where they're like, hi, I really need a videographer for like this or that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, 200 bucks. And everyone in the comments will like laugh emoji. <laughs> and you can tell like that they're not a good person to work with just based on everyone else's responses. Yeah. Like there was, um, I mean, even like in the good sense though, like there was a post uh, recently where um, it was like looking for a lighting attachment. And um, everyone in the comments was all so positive about it. And everyone was like, yeah. And, like, you could see who's being, like, who's friends with these people and who, like, respects these people. So you kind of know that they're not going to be bad to work with because the people who work with them already are already, like, you know that they're not going to go on shit sets. (laughs) Yeah. So if they're on it, it must be okay. Which can bite you in the ass a bit. (laughs) Like, can not be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I like. Do you kind of also rely on like because are you part of a union as no, well? No, I want oh. to be, but oh. I haven't joined one yet. Which um, which union would you pick? Oh, I'm just gonna go the MEAA. Like obviously, <laughs> like everyone. Come on, that's stand. Literally, I send people the MEA document on a weekly basis, <laughs> and I should join it. Like <laughs> I use their website so much. I'm like, what's the standard rate for public holidays? And I'm just there, like, here's the MEAA rates. <laughs> like oh i know it's it's ridiculous like how much you know and you go oh oh that's expensive (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's i think um yeah we had to do that every time you know and i i know people have like people kind of put their own rates as well it's not always what the mea oh yeah definitely not but um mea is like minimum (laughs) yeah i know but it's like this is the minimum you should be paid um but you know i i know people also just like you know done um shoots that have like half their you know daily income and have been good shoots oh, yeah. like um but yeah like i feel like unions do kind of then stand if you're getting mistreated on yeah on, on or at least i feel like in this modern day it's very easy to voice a bad set or a bad set experience than it used to be down the past because i remember like one of my teachers um years ago she was a lighting she used to do um lighting and camera opening um back in the day and then like she became a teacher but yeah she would say like the fact that she was a female camera op and that was just kind of like unheard of and then it was like she just kind of led with the pack and and did it and worked for like seven for like years and years what was her name um oh god it's (laughs) uh liz something i can't remember last night and last name she uh, north sydney tafe okay yeah um she was lovely though she was a trooper um, I think she's still there, but, um, yeah, it was one of those conversations that I remember when I talked to her, I was like, oh my God. And she was like, oh yeah, you just had to become like everyone else to get through. Like you couldn't really, you know, especially because this was like the eighties. Um, so it was like female camera ops were not uh, like they were one or two. Like oh, yeah. it was like not a conglomerate that it is now. Cause like, I know so many people, you know, female techs and everything that are in this industry now, and it's, like, blown up. Oh, even, like, I was operating for Anzac Day the other day. Oh, at, wow, shit. No, just, like, a, just one of the Anzac Day ceremonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for an RSL. And um, I was, like, setting up the camera, and this man walks past, and he goes, oh, look, a, 
female camera operator. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, I probably shouldn't say that. I mean, like, operator. <laughs> like, I mean, still female. <laughs> like, Hasn't was, changed. Yeah, I was like, it was just a so much awkward experience because like, you could tell he was itching to say cameraman. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was, yeah. But even, um, it's cool because, um, do you know Susan Lumsden? That name rings a bell. Yeah, she's um part of the ACS. She's the DOP I worked with at the in the UAE. Oh yeah. And um, she was like the first female camera operator at the ABC. Like, wow. She's she would show me photos and they're like all in like black and white and stuff or yeah. like just really old pictures of her like camera operating because uh, um the ABC used to like. Um, train up the crew and stuff. Yeah. Well, they don't really do that anymore, <laughs> which is unfortunate, but they used to train everyone up. Yeah. And she was like one of the first females to camera operate. So it's like really cool to see that like she's getting like shows like Netflix shows and things where she's operating. But even on that set, they were like, oh, you'll need to have an operator. And she's like, yeah, but I like operating. <laughs> like, And she's super established and like professional. It's... And they're like, no, you need need a <laughs> operator and she was like oh okay i guess like you can get me an operator but she, really she wanted to and she was the most experienced out of everyone it was like two random dudes yeah who were like half her age they were like yeah no we'll get these dudes into operate and she's like i'm so much more experienced than these two guys yeah <laughs> i mean like that that's always the thing as well it's like um just the industry <laughs> The industry is like so it kind of stumps. And I agree with you in terms of like they don't progress like they used to, where you did train up people to come to because I feel I don't know if that's just the population size now. It sort of seemed to me in the last like 10 years, it seems like if you know, um, and I have this to you know conversation quite regularly with a bunch of friends, but yeah, you kind of just go into a role and that's now the role you stay in. Yeah. And it's not really, oh, okay, you're an assistant. Let's train you up to be something more. Let's get you to where the managers are and get you up the ranks. No, still assistant. Still, you can be that for 20 years. Like, it's there's no career progression unless you really kind of work at it. I think there is career progression. There's just not that training opportunity in yeah. the industry. And I know for the ABC, it was... Um, they it was for budget cut reasons, I think. Yeah. Like they had a bunch of their camera gear thrown out. They've had like layoffs like the last couple of years. <laughs> I mean, like, look, I'm 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 looking at you know the upcoming election and seeing if it changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, support support like arts. <laughs> I mean like that that must be also the thing because how was it for you during COVID as well for like the whole arts scene? Yeah, I mean it was super it got quiet, definitely. But um, I actually graduated uni just as COVID hit, <gasps> <laughs> which was great. Um, totally so not inconvenient at all for, <laughs> for a young person entering the industry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really kind of led you into a yeah, good spot. Yeah. It was, um, <laughs> but um, I was lucky enough to be um, camera assisting on the Oz Open in Melbourne. Um, oh, wow. For the first bit of COVID, like just before COVID was hitting yeah, yeah. in 2020. Yeah, I think it was then. And um, so I had that and then I had like, um, I was working at, was I working at camera hire or was I working at the front? Can't mm. remember which one at that time, but I was working at a rental house. Yeah. So that's what I do when I don't have work. So I have a really good fallback and I'm currently at the front. 
Um, I have only done one week there this year, <laughs> but I love them dearly. And they're like, um, if I don't have work, they're like, yeah, come on shift. Like, and I'll be do video tech stuff for them. And I get to play with all the cameras and all the yeah. lenses and it's the best. And like working through rental houses I found was really good. Like when I was coming out of uni yeah, and all that, like, and just learning the equipment. But um, when COVID hit, I was still getting freelance jobs. Like I was lucky enough to like have work. Mm. And like, I remember the start of COVID, I was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing. There's nothing. I keep seeing things on Instagram where people are working and I'm not like, it's all comparing yourself. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like the only person who doesn't have work. And yeah. then I chat to my friends and they're like, we all have to don't have to work, Jasmine. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm like, You're just posting old photos. Please talk. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my God, you're stressing me out. Like... <laughs> But, like, because I do mostly, like, one-off jobs. Like, I'll do uh, three-day shoots, two-day shoots, one-day shoots. And then, like, the next week, I don't know what's happening. And then I'll jump on something. So, like, most of my work was that, um, which I was still getting enough work. Like, I was doing, like, two days at the front, maybe, two or three. And then I'd have a freelance job each week. Okay. So, like, that was kind of how I was going through COVID. But, like... Working at a rental house still kind of feels like you're in the industry anyways. Yeah. And, like, the front's such a lovely company. Like, Sunny's the best. All the people who work there are so lovely. And every time you have people come in for shoots and stuff, like, you're talking to them. And I'm, like, I'm here packing gear. And I'm, like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> like Lego Wars are <laughs> shooting. Like, I get to see who's shooting. Yeah. So, like, I recognize a lot of names through the rental houses now that I worked at. So, like, I'll meet someone and I'll be like, do I know you or do I just know you because I've, like, packed your gear? (laughs) It's like I've read your name on the box. (laughs) Yeah. I know who you are and I know where you live. Well, like, because, like, sometimes I'll do a little, like, stalk of their, like, websites and stuff because I want to see if, like, they're good. I'm like, ooh, like, that's an interesting set of gear. Like, they'll, they'll hire out, like the old Russian sort of lenses and I'll be like, ooh, <laughs> what are you shooting? <laughs> like, what do you shoot? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, like shooting music videos or like some weird niche ad that's like for Dior or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so it's nice to see what everyone's shooting while I was there. But then it also was like, but you could tell how dead the industry was while I was working at the rental house because yeah. I was literally, there would be like no gear to pack. Huh. Like there would be one job and then my boss would go, oh, yeah, so like we don't really have any work, but <laughs> you can um like vacuum <laughs> if you want to reorganize all our drawers. I reorganized the filter drawers and like, oh, it's very satisfying. But like <laughs> at the whole like top section of the front where all the camera stuff is, is just meticulously organized and it's amazing <laughs> because through COVID we were like, we're just going to organize everything. Like. but like yeah and so that's kind of what we did yeah (laughs) through covid and then as like more of the year progressed i got more and more work so it was all right (laughs) i mean like that's also the thing because when i look at covid as a whole like i was working full-time so i had my consistent job had it safely but i do know that i was during that period i was the same as you i just looked on instagram and all my friends weren't working or they weren't leaving home and it was interesting because i didn't have the choice everyone was like oh can you work from home i was like no it's not a choice for me i can't operate a control room at home 
because my primary job is sitting in front of a bunch of large computers and telling those computers what to do. And everyone's like, oh, oh, but they can't make that like a home job. And I was like, that would cost millions of dollars. No, they can't. Like it's out of the budget. So, I mean, it was a cute idea, but I mean, like, you know, that was kind of what the pandemic did. Um, And it really didn't feel like the industry kind of caught up until what, October that year? Like when it started feeling yeah. like it was getting back to some sort of like protocol normality. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say around that time period when I think of it, like yeah. it was, it was kind of um. It when it picked up, it picked up though. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, it got so busy. Like when they had those lulls, kind of at the end of the year, where um, it was like everyone you can kind of leave your house, but like yeah. <laughs> also be safe. Like the film industry, like. We got like smashed with work because everyone was trying to get everything in before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and that happened last year as well. Cause like there was a couple of lockdowns in between. So in between lockdowns, there was like big things of like just a lot of work and yeah. like so much like it was really like busy. Which was tough because then I was like, cool, I'm gonna go freelance. Bye. <laughs> and the rental house were like sick <laughs> great. great thanks jazz Bye. <laughs> i love you guys <laughs> i mean because the way i sort of like look at you know because if you're a movie fan like you look at movie releases as being the predominant like thing of what goes oh that's right that got delayed and split in half or you know like um shang chi was filming in australia and then that got split right down the middle of suddenly stopped filming and had to go into a complete lockdown and it didn't really start up again and think until august september yeah Uh, yeah so it really was around that period where everything started like flowing like normal but i mean the protocols were nuts and i remember i i just found it baffling because i feel like people were going out and not being safe like there, there was a lot of you know independent film sets that just didn't follow protocols. Oh yeah, and like I was like, why? What's what's going? Like, what if someone gets sick? And and like, where, what did you think about that? Because like, was that a kind of high impact for you? Yeah. Well, um, I had, I had just gotten back from. Um, I did a shoot Mount Kosciuszko, and then a shoot in Darwin. Then I came back, and then as I was coming back my area was in hard lockdown mm-hmm. and we were going into filming this feature film called after she died. And, um, yeah, just drop that. After <laughs> was, she yeah, died. Just, yeah. And, um, I ended up staying with, um, the camera assistants mm. and the group operator because I had, I'd been away for two weeks. So if I didn't go back to my house, I like I was safe so I literally just went and lived with them straight away and was safe because I didn't need to go on lockdown because I literally put in my government like address that I was living with them for that shoot and it wasn't until I think it was like three weeks two weeks maybe into shooting where we all got into lockdown and had to shut down the production and then we had to wait a bit and what we ended up doing I think weekends yeah. Um, but the first couple of weekends were pushed back. Yeah. So that affected us pretty heavily. Um, and yeah, so we did two, three weeks of shooting and then we did five weekends of shooting across God. <laughs> a varied My amount, God. Which was, so I was gaffing it. And so I was 
using my van, but I was hiring all the gear from the front. So every single weekend I'd have to load the van, which was packed to the brim. We had about 15 C-stands and M18, <laughs> like freaking so much gear. Like I was at the front packing it and I was like, Reese, I'm like getting rid of C-stands. <laughs> like we don't need 15. <laughs> 10 max, like just take four or five out. Please. Oh, like that's what I did. I was like, that's too many. Like we don't need that much. Like there would be like always four in the van. Yeah. And there was so much gear and I was transporting lighting and camera in like a VW Caddy, which is fine, like gear wise, we fit it all, but it is a tight squeeze for camera and lighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and we had full on like Panther Dolly tracks and a Panther Dolly <laughs> fitting in my van. And it was just so much gear to pack, shoot for Saturday, Sunday, return Monday morning. <laughs> like, that was what we did for five weekends during COVID. Oh my God. Well, I think it was a bit after, but there was that lockdown period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that affected us. I ended up staying in lockdown for a little bit back home and then we kept going. My God, that is nuts. Yeah. So that was probably the most affected shoot we had. And the rest, I feel like I wasn't too badly affected. A lot of um, television networks, um, like nine and seven, have um, rat tests on site. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when... um. Even some of them have like freaking PCR tests on site if they're fancy. Like, yeah, I know. We had um a set come in to the front and walked in and my and Sonny goes, "Oh, did you see the guy like asking for like getting a PCR test?" And I was like, "Yeah, I saw that. Like, that's not us." And he goes, "You should have said you were that channel because like they would have got given you a free PCR test." And I was like, "Damn it." <laughs> I mean, like, it's always kind of funny when I wake up in the morning and then the first thing you do is go and get a, uh, like, a rapid test. And, like, I've managed to go two years now without getting COVID. Congratulations. I know. I'm like, I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know because I have to go to the city every day. So it's like. Yeah, that's impressive. I know. And it's like, I know everyone. Like, did you end up getting it? I got it um, in Abu Dhabi. So I got the Delta strain. And oh, was... fine. So you lost your taste. Oh, no. No, I couldn't eat <laughs> at oh. all. I would just vomit it up. Wow. Sorry, I should have put a disclaimer. <laughs> the barfing is happening. Yeah, yeah. It just it was... Yeah, you... I had a solid 10 days where I just couldn't eat anything because I would just vomit it right out. Wow. Yeah, but it was... But um, I had made friends with a prince, um, so he put me in a lovely penthouse. <laughs> you made friends with a prince in Abu Dhabi? Yeah. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of yeah. princes there. I was like, how many princes? <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few. <laughs> I mean, like, it's an interesting place, but it wow. It was one of the ones who was sponsoring the series. Ah. Um, because... And so I made friends with him on set. And then yeah. when I got COVID, I got given his number. And I was like, and then they were like, oh, man, by the way, like, so, because they wanted me to go straight to the hospital and then to the isolation yeah. hotel, basically, which is right next door <laughs> of where everyone else was. <laughs> So I was like, well, I don't need to go to hospital. And so he gave me the contacts of the government health organization there. Oh, nice. And he set me up to like just go straight there. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. <laughs> My God. I mean, like, yeah, like, did you feel kind of, did you feel at the end of it? Because, like, you know, 
I think like forty percent of people are getting it now. It's like not huge. Like it's not everyone. There's still a percentage of people who haven't gotten it, but it's still like it's skyrocketing. It's most, yeah, most it's, people. And most people are now getting it. Um, and I mean, did that kind of feel like a big surprise to you that you got it, or were you just kind of like, oh, it's better late than never? Well, let's circle back to the yeah. onset COVID protocols. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's full circle structure here. Yes. Um, so they wouldn't tell people if someone had gotten. COVID, they would just disappear. <laughs> they just wouldn't turn up the next day. That sounds very ominous. That sounds like an assassination. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it kind of was. And then you would only just hear whispers because they all, all speak Arabic. But I made um a good friend of mine, Jamal, um, who would kind of interpret what everyone was saying. And he's like, yeah, this person got COVID, that person got COVID. Like, and he was telling me what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we weren't getting told. And so I was kind of surprised because... I was the only Australian crew member who got it <laughs> while I was over there. And I have no idea how I got it. Wow. And, and like, I know one of the wardrobe girls got it, but it's not like we, <laughs> I was wore a mask. I sanitized my hands. Like yeah. I was doing all the things and my roommate, Kaziah, she, um, we literally like shared a straw and shared a room and she didn't get it. And then she got it in Thailand afterwards. But like, <laughs> It eventually came for it. it yeah, found it, a way. it eventually came back. But like, it was so strange because like I was literally in a van with these like Australian crew. Yeah, all day every day, and like I was the only one who got it. Can I, uh, it's the same because like one of my friends from work, his wife got it, and he didn't get it. And I was like, how? Yeah. How did you not? You were in close proximity to your mm-hmm. wife. It's not exactly like, oh hey, just gonna hop into the ICU like right? section of my bedroom. Like, like what? Yeah, right. but it, it's it's nuts because I feel like yeah, um, like it's the same for Emily. She went to she went to Mardi Gras and then went to the pub afterwards. Like she was part of the float. I went to the pub afterwards. I was like, "Yay, this is great!" And then um, w- like I came home after like I think one drink and was like, "I'm gonna go home." Apparently, everyone else got COVID or a few people <sighs> got COVID, and she managed to escape. And I was like, "How? Yeah. How? Do, how do? How do we like avoid it?" But I mean, like it's one of those things that. Um, you know, I know friends who have um, immunocompromised and everything, and they're still fine, and they've gotten COVID. I'm just like, it, it's literally like the thing I say is people who died from it, it's luck of the draw. Unfortunately, it's one of those things of freak. You know, be smart, sanitize your hands, kind of like you know, and you know, do PCR tests and everything. Yeah. Make sure you're safe. But yeah, I know so many people who just like, um, who have lost family members because of it, and it's just yeah, it's down to freak circumstances of how they've you know underlining health conditions don't exist sometimes and it's just you could get it and it could kill you but it's like the same as flu like i feel like we've gotten to this stage now in 2022 where we do treat it more like the flu than we necessarily did and i mean like yeah it's been different yeah but it's definitely more intense than the flu but yeah it's the way it's been looked at has definitely changed yeah like consider like everyone's kind of like if you get it you get it <laughs> like, yeah. like. And, I, and i mean like the thing that now i see with you know everyone not you know protocols basically going out the window and you can be on set and uh, like hardly anyone's wearing masks or you can go to the shops and like five people are wearing masks it's the same like uh, it's sort of like people just kind of don't want to do it anymore and that's fine but I feel like, you know, and I said this to everyone, I was like, why don't we go to the, how the Japanese people do it, which is wear a mask if you're sick. But also 
it is rampant in Japan. <laughs> yeah, it, yes, I mean, like, <laughs> not but, an underlining, like, 100% solution. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, it's really bad in Japan because even though they were all wearing masks, they're all still in such close proximity to yeah, everyone. Yeah, it's because a high, de- like, Tokyo is a high-ass dense yeah. population. Even um, my mate who, um, I, he was camera operating on my Anzac Day thing. Yeah. And he was in Japan when COVID was hitting. And he like was at the staying at the bottom of the mountains, and he was telling me that he got COVID while over there, and it's like paper thin walls. Yeah, and so it was really terrible. Like he got COVID so badly, and like suddenly he, I think his New Zealand mates had to leave to like because they were shutting down the borders. So then he was like, "Shit, we gotta get back to Australia." <laughs> like, oh my God. like everything just went hard lockdown. Everyone. Yeah out like you're not going to be able to get back into australia if you don't leave now like yeah like it was so bad in japan (laughs) yeah because i I feel like now we're just kind of the other end where we're just like in australia and we're like oh that's right covid's a thing but i'll still go to the shops and like walk around and stuff oh yeah like it it was funny because i went to a movie cinema not that long ago there was a guy just going oh my god no and i was like (laughs) can you leave like please this is gross and he was like blowing his nose and i'm like oh no you're one of those people um but they still like i get if you have congestion or anything like you know it's unavoidable please be smart don't go out if you're feeling ill i think like that's a that's such an australian mentality like before the pandemic if i was sick and i had a sniffle i'd still come to work yeah like a hundred percent now you would not catch me dead in mm-hmm. any workplace, even if I had like a small cough, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm staying home. Like, it's too bad. You have yeah. to find someone else to replace me. Like, what's your mentality? Are you the same? Or is that, or is it a bit harder in, in a freelance it's word? It's harder in freelance because if you don't turn up, you don't get paid. Yeah. And it's kind of like, there's no um, fallback. Yeah. Like, especially, even like, I'll do a rat test. Is pretty much my fallback. Like I'm like I have like a vague sniffle because the day before we were shooting in the rain and I was like out in the mud like putting up a like 1,200. Like yeah. and I'm like yeah cool. I kind of figured out that I just have a cold because they made me stand out in the rain for 20 minutes. <laughs> like that makes sense. But I'll still do a rat test the morning of yeah. before going to set because I'm like oh cool like I have a sniffle. All right, do that, and I'll just wear a mask and hand sanitize on set. Yeah, because I know it's not COVID, but you can still at least put in measures to stop other people getting sick. Yeah, but um, that was kind of what we did on this last set we were on, um, which was Super Rosa, um, and we like if people were sniffling and stuff, it was like as long as it wasn't COVID and you are operational, <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> That's the main thing. Achoo. Yeah, pretty much. Like I know our Sandy. And I were a little bit sniffly one day and both of us were like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh no, oh no, <laughs> we're both not doing it. Like I was not feeling good. This yeah. is just like one random day. And like my, my assistant was like giving me Barocca and like, um, cold and flu medication, oh, which no. worked perfectly. Yeah. I had like, cause the house was kind of falling apart. Like there, oh, was, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was, um, freaking mold and oh okay that's not gonna help at all there was a lot of stuff so i had like an antihistamine cold and flu tablets baraka like multivitamins like i i like turned up to set and i was like dying i was almost falling over and my assistant goes don't worry i got you and gave me like all these drugs (laughs) 
and I was sweet the rest of the day. <laughs> so that's my mentality. <laughs> like push through unless like it's COVID and like if you are actually like I and I don't think it was contagious mm. because it was just a cold like that I had as in like colds can be contagious, but like I could pinpoint when I got it. Yeah. Like I, I was like I was literally standing in the rain. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean like I'm the same. I had like woke up with a cough, got a PCR test, and then I was like I'll just wait until the results came back negative. And it's like, cool. I can go to work. Yep. That's our happy days. I was like, cool. The sniffle means nothing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Also, if it's not COVID, then you can't even get compensation from the government if you have to take time off. No. Like, because you know how they have that $750 payment for a yeah. week if you do get it. If you don't have COVID, that doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> like, I roll my eyes at the federal. <laughs> yeah, like I... Because my partner's been sick for, um, I think it was last week he was unwell. Yeah. Um, wasn't COVID, just was a really bad cold. Didn't get it, which was great. Um, and he was just so annoyed because he still had to go to work. And, like, he couldn't stay home because it wasn't COVID. <laughs> but, like, he's there, like, half fainting, <sighs> like, from congestion and, like, feeling unwell. And he was like, well, it's not COVID, so I need to go in. I think he took one day off. <laughs> And then his boss like yelled at him. <laughs> that was like me when I had my um. That, oh my god, I wouldn't. I never got yelled at. Thank God. But I was like when I had my um surgery, they were just like, "Oh, how are you? Can you walk yet? Yeah. Can you come in?" I was like, "Not really. I'm sort of limping everywhere." And they're like, "But you can still." Uh, okay, like how far away do you think from coming back into work are you? And I was like, are you serious? Like that's the that's the mentality that workplaces have. They're yeah. just like, oh, if it's not COVID, come to work, you're fine. See, I um, I broke my arm, my sh- sh- uh, elbow, mm. um, during COVID, on my electric skateboard. Uh- <laughs> Smooth. Yeah, <laughs> during my lunch break at the front. <laughs> Even smoother. Yeah, like and I just gave them a call. Like I literally left my lunch break and then I had to get rushed to hospital. <laughs> I give Sonny a call and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not coming back. And I'm like crying and like and he goes, What? And I'm like, I just broke my arm on my lunch break. <laughs> and immediately when I got in a sling, I was like, Yeah, I could change the lens with one hand. <laughs> like sure and like i ended up going into work the next week because i'm casual and i freelance i didn't have freelance work because i couldn't do any work that was freelance and um since they're so lovely sunny was like yeah come in and just like do the smaller gear like i was testing audio gear and stuff because i could still kind of move my wrist (laughs) so i was still just kind of like changing the lens and like i would just like take one off cover it with my hand put the other ones on like carry one case with my one hand like I was just working with one arm because I was like well I don't have anything else to do oh like my God. I, if I don't work I don't get paid and I can't pay rent so <laughs> the mentality of Sydney life yeah so that was yeah that was probably a large struggle with COVID I guess but I also from my own stupidity yeah <laughs> like, yeah that one's a definitely a you yeah a, a, i say covid but it's definitely a me thing so. <laughs> <laughs> um i am gonna ask you though um on something that i do wonder where did this journey start for you in your love for film where did what did young jasmine go this is the career that i want this is the the life choices i yeah. shall make um so i 
started out doing a lot of drawing as a kid. Yeah. My family was like, oh my gosh, you should be an artist. And I was like, nine-year-old me was like, artists don't earn any money. <laughs> like, because I, that was just like, I would see like people go into art and stuff. And I was like, a lot of it's pretentious, like selling art pieces for 50 grand. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> so um, I was like, all right, I, I want to be creative. Yeah. But. I don't want to be an artist as such. I yeah. Mean, technically, I'm still an artist, but like, not like. <laughs> I was like the biggest I mean, eye roll ever. I mean, there was such an irony there, but like. <laughs> but um, I started doing photography um, pretty early, mm. probably just like, I mean, around high school. My dad was always into cameras, so I would play around with his, but um, it never, it didn't really come about until high school where um, I did like photography classes yeah. and i was like oh my gosh like wow i can be creative without like picking up a paintbrush <laughs> like <laughs> i don't need to lift everything so. <laughs> i was like oh cool camera snip <laughs> oh that's the picture i wanted in the first place crazy i don't need to paint it <laughs> like i can just take a photo of it <laughs> so that was a bit of my mentality there um but i started doing um so i really enjoyed drama Mm. and acting um and live lighting um yeah. so in i ended up changing for senior years of high school i ended up changing schools to do events industries and photography and drama oh. um, because my initial school didn't offer those subjects yeah. so i was like well i want to change schools and do events industries yeah um so like initially my track was towards the events industry um, so I learned like DMX controlling and all yeah. the live lighting stuff in school and ended up being my like school lighting operator. Um, the, only, the only female <laughs> lighting operator in my high school in my year group. Um, but I had a great teacher, um, Michelle Bernard, who was not actually a teacher. She was just the year above me. But my teacher believed in um, if you teach, you really know what this, like what you're learning. So if you teach someone else, it means you know what you're talking about. So he taught her and then she essentially taught my whole year group. <laughs> because, wow. Yeah, because he was, <laughs> I guess, lazy. I guess she was very successful. But like, yeah. And so she taught me lighting mostly. Um, and then my teacher would hire me for theater gigs to do lighting operating for his theater yeah. company while I was still in high school. Um, and then I did like a short film for drama. Um, and then you know how you go to those like uni things where yeah. they um, lay all the universities you can go to when you graduate? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, JMC was one of them. Oh, wow. Which is where I went. Um, and they had this um, LA study tour. For about two weeks yeah. during the course. And um, I was like, ooh, that's nice. <laughs> um, and I went to an interview uh, to see if I wanted to go to the uni. And I go, oh, so I could either do – I I didn't actually know what course I wanted to do. Yeah. And they had these pamphlets. And one of them was animation. And I picked up the events industry one. And then I picked picked up the filmmaking one i went to the interview with these three things and like a weird portfolio of like all my random art stuff like i didn't even do art in high school it was just like random art that i usually just draw and stuff and um i said all right i either want to do one of these three things i don't know really which one is best for me yeah <laughs> like i like photography i like lighting i like art i like events i like all that um and they were like oh i think you should do i think you should do film like because really 
photography is like video there's yeah. correlation to that lighting gaffing um even drawing storyboarding yeah um all the other art stuff I did, even the events management, there's management in film. <laughs> like literally yeah. it's, there's so much correlation between the events industry and the film industry. It's just what terms you use and what lights you use. Like hundred percent, a hundred percent. So like when they were like, yeah, film would be good because of these reasons. That's yeah. kind of when I knew, um, I was like, all right, yeah, all right, I'll do the film course. <laughs> oh my God. That's so cool. <laughs> And so that's why I went to uni for film. And I was already doing video work in mm. school. Like, as I said, the wedding photography stuff mm. and the wedding videography stuff and like random video stuff. So I was already doing media random. Yeah. So it kind of made sense. And I was working at a company that was doing audiovisual for events as well. Mm-hmm. So I had that as a part-time job as well. So I kind of was already in like getting in the industry yeah. like at 17, 18. So that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good leap to go yeah. straight into it. Like, um, I mean, I guess also did you feel like with JMC because, I mean, everyone talks about universities as being like, this is the one you should all go to yeah, and stuff. Like JMC um, is a really good uni. Like, but yeah, it was kind of one of those ones that I mean, like I, you know, went to North Sydney TAFE and that taught me about te- film and television productions. Like I, I think, did you find people go, went and tried to shit talk your unis or like? Um, people say pe- other unis are better than others, but really when it comes down to it, it's like what opportunities you're offered as like, yeah. even in high school, like my partner did media in high school <laughs> he learned broadcast in high school how <laughs> like he went to a private school that that's like, lucky that yeah, that isn't so like, an option yeah like that's the thing like it's depending on what opportunities you get like yeah. and the only reason i did uni is because i didn't know shit about video and i was like i need to know shit about video yeah. so i'm gonna do this and that's why i did advanced cinematography and i wanted to go onto the la study tour yeah. <laughs> and that was another thing because like i don't think many unis offer going international travel no so that was my main deciding factor Mm. because i was like i want to see all the studios and we got to study in la for like a week and then visit all these studios the other week so like that was kind of like the biggest opportunity that and i got to like touch a red camera in la for the (sighs) first time and talk to all these amazing filmmakers so like that was like the best experience ever. So I'm kind of like the opportunities are what you make it and it's who you meet. Yeah. And it's luck. (laughs) I mean, a hundred percent is luck. I remember the first time I did, I did entertainment as a like course in year 11 and 12. And one of them was like, you have work experience, you know, because you know, fun little part of high school. And I picked uh, going to the Sydney prop studio. And the people there are super lovely. They are some of the nicest people ever. I love Sydney Um, props. They're so cool. They're awesome. Um, I was about 17 when I went there and I thought, and one of the guys who worked there was just like, I can't remember his name for the life of me now. It's been so many years, but he was like, oh, if you ever need a contact, just talk to us. Because it was like one of the nicest experiences because they were like, you seem keen. Props is probably not your thing that interests you, but we know other like avenues that could take you to places and i feel like that's the thing that you know 
is is kind of exciting about you know doing those courses but also like it was one of the nicest thing was my entertainment teacher was music um, music teacher as well so he knew music he knew live um you know bands and how to set it up and he was just like um when i graduated i remember him saying oh yeah you could easily work for tv and film like you've got the skills you're also good at live events and stuff and i was like really yeah. he was like yeah you just you enjoy that stuff you know go and do it because he was like the problem was also the course like when people picked it it felt like a bludge because they they were like oh it involves music and it's like well not really it involves all the tech side you're yeah. like attaching xlr cables to places and going oh this is how this amp works and you know um and i feel like i learned more it was actually interesting as well because i remember i didn't know much about interlace and progressive until i started working like in, in the industry, because when I studied, they didn't really kind of explain the theory behind it. You had to kind of research it yourself. And like the same as how data travels from, you know, like one device to another and how, you know, like everything doesn't come off hard drives exactly the same file format and you've got to com um, convert and update metadata and all this information that no one teaches you kind of in basic sometimes courses where they're just like, oh, this is why America shoots NTSC. This is why Australia and um, the rest of the world shoot power. Like, why is that? And then, yeah, like, I think the difference between SD and HD, and, like, I notice it all the time on television now when I see SD footage upconverted to HD, and I'm like, oh, that's that's not good. That's So we did a good um, – we had a good teacher for teaching all that sort of stuff mm. to us in university. Like, I, lo I learned PAL and all that in yeah. editing classes, so – that was kind of really helpful. So I felt like I once I went through uni, they taught me a lot of the um, tech side yeah. of it. So when I went into the industry, I wasn't going blind. You weren't like, which oh, is God. like kind of why I went to uni because I yeah. was like, I, I created creativity is like in my blood. <laughs> yeah, but like the tech side, that's what I need to learn. Yeah, because it's like it's easy to, as we were saying in the beginning, it's easy to shoot something. It's harder to understand the principles of why you do something. Yeah, exactly. Um, because like, uh, I mean, like, you know, I think the one thing that, you know, I probably didn't know about until like a few years ago was audio and how audio fully works. Because, you know, as an editor, you know, the basics of audio, vision, easy, perfect. You know, you're just making sure everything cuts together and it looks fine. And, you know, everything's on the same frame rate or it changes frame rate and you kind of adjust accordingly. But audio is this whole different beast. Oh, yeah. And it's like what sounds like it's compressed, what sounds like it's got, you know, like, uh, you know, too much um, buzz or headroom or, you know, and it's just everyone's like, oh, that's a whole thing. Yeah, I, um, it's, I um, did Foley for um, my major project in uni and oh, that was so much fun. It was so much fun because I had made friends with one of the audio students because <gasps> JMC is predominantly an audio university, yeah, like an audio music university that has expanded out into film and all these other subjects. Um, and it was insane to me, like just how much he knows because <laughs> like I'm not an audio person. Yeah. I'm not an editor at all. Like, I am purely camera and lights, like, and then anything audio or editing, I'm just, like, <laughs> blows my mind. Like, my partner's a full-time editor, um, slash, I mean, slash producer, slash shooter, but, like, his email signature says editor. And, like, fancy. yeah, I know, he works for a media company. <laughs> oh, fancy. Yeah, full-time work. Crazy. But, um, who thought that was an idea yeah i was like whoa <laughs> but um he uh I, I used to like 
always get him to like look through my edits or like edit things for me because I just didn't get it. I was, it's such a like unique skill that like yeah. people are like I can just jump on like iMovie, <laughs> like. But there's actually so much skill to like telling a broadcast story, like, and to putting a doco piece together. That, yeah. like, I just couldn't comprehend. It's like I say to people, like, I'm good at drama, not good at docos. Could not, for the life of me, edit a doco. Oh, yeah. I just don't understand how the structure works. Drama, perfect. You give me enough coverage, I will make it work. And I've also edited... I sh- I think the one thing I've also learned over the years is when, you, you know, like, people have learned and I've learned off other people's, like, learning and skill sets that they missed... And that's taught me how to be like, oh, this is how you get around, like, you know, your master shots. And then you kind of like go into your punch ups and close ups and stuff like that. And I feel like when you don't understand the principle of shooting, you forget the master shot and then you suddenly don't have coverage. And you have like all these weird shots that you can't use. Yeah. Um, and my prime example was like years ago, I remember editing this film. And, like, the story itself is quite fun. And I, I really wish it, like, they could have refilmed this scene because it was the only film scene that was like, this is clearly not as well thought out. And it was in an alleyway. And they had one angle, one side, and the other angle, the other side. And, like, these, the, the lens was just clearly not wide enough to have all of characters fitting in. So they cut from one angle to the next angle, but it was just of the same angle, but with one character on one side and then cut to the character on the like the left and right to the suddenly the other character was now on the left instead of being on the right and seeing another character I was like this looks like it's like a bad panorama like there's not even a pan between it like you didn't even think to kind of move the pan like pan or tilt and I was like things like that I was like this is this is stuff that I can't fix because this is about learning It's (laughs) it's how it's shot and it's about learning from your mistakes and I mean, I encourage anyone to go and like, you know, shoot, shoot something and then edit it together. It's like fun. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect, oh, yeah. but it really teaches you about like weird coverage, like, and the things that, um, like obviously you do and, you know, in, and, and see other people do they're the reason it kind of works in the editing. Cause we all complement each other's work. And when we know that like, you know, you guys do a good job, then it's easier for our jobs to kind oh, of yeah. make the next step. And it's you kind of see it fall apart when someone doesn't do their best or someone doesn't care enough or, or something. just doesn't do their job. Yeah. <laughs> it's Film is such a collaborative thing. Like, yeah. You, the producers affect the crew. The crew affect the, like, the finished product. The finished yeah. product affects the editor and that affects the sound. Like everything is interlaced and integrated to what the final image is yeah (laughs) and it's insane how much that can be affected by like one person like just not getting like cross shooting yeah (laughs) like it's insane like someone is like oh sorry they're like they've crossed the line yes and like some people won't know what that means but like it's <laughs> and that's kind of such a like it jars the audience so much and yeah that's the things you need to know that yeah. make the editor's job easier so they don't need to be like can i flip this image <laughs> like, i think my best ever like um was my high school hsc one and i look back at it it's not like the best film i ever made but you can clearly see where I crossed the line in one scene because I thought all the angles looked super cool. And I was like, <laughs> I was in my parents' bathroom and we had 
like I didn't know anything about sound. It was shot on a, v- a little video camera, like Sony um, yeah. Andy Cam, and no sound. My friend and I were acting in it, and I had another friend filming all the angles. Uh, no lighting. We only used the light of the bathroom. Sat the camera up the top of the bathroom on a tripod while my friend climbed up to get there because it was on the like roof section. And yeah, she shot the whole below scene, and I was like, "That is such a cool shot." And we did all these shots, and I look back at it and go. Yeah, I broke the line there. Like I broke the one eighty rule. Uh, <laughs> like, I, and then I was like, "Oh, that that looks green. That looks like it's daylight. That looks like it's nighttime. Like, why is it green? Why is it so green? Why do the lights do that?" Like you started like nitpicking it, and I just go, "Okay, well, I was seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, like I'm not gonna know shit. Definitely not. That's um, like that's how you learn. That's how you yeah you do those sort of films like." I- even my uni film was bad. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I think also the thing that I love now, and we'll look back at it in, you know, 50 years time, is the stuff we make now will be like, that was good, but I can also do better. Like, yeah. I can always improve and I can always, like, improve my skill set. Because the thing I think, uh, the wonderful thing about our industry is we're always willing to learn. Because mm-hmm. it does, it can't stop like you learn about new tech you learn about new skills and then for it always implements changes that's the fun part about our industry and what makes it so engaging like i have such a low attention span like so (laughs) i that's why i camera assist and gaff like yeah i flick between the two every couple months like that's just how i've been operating now because like i like just always something new and like i find that even like working in a rental house, there's always new gear. Yeah. Or like a shoot, they'll be like, "Oh, we're using a robo arm today," and I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, that's so cool!" <laughs> like, and like you have those conversations where it's just new gear and new toys to play with. They're all new toys to play with. Yeah. And there's always something new to learn. Like I was on a shoot, and my assistant was like, "Oh, why don't you do it this way?" And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. That's so smart. I should always do it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to do it that way every single time now. Like, it's, like, always learning from everyone. Like, Yeah. And that's the nice part. Like, the fact that I I feel like I've been, like, real blessed to work with a lot of people who are, like, will are really open to teaching me yeah. and like open to being like, Hey, I'm your assistant, but like, let me, let me show you something. Or, um, like for instance, um, the DOP, I've been working with them, the current feature that I've just finished. He like taught me so much. Like, yeah. um, we did this shoot up, um, Mount Kosciuszko yeah. on a five day hike. No, for not five days. Maybe it was three days. It was like two nights. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyways, <laughs> a couple nights in the snow shooting three kilometers on Mount Kosciuszko in tents and like just like the way he composed a shot and operates in that one shoot, like I was his only assistant, just taught me so much. Yeah. Like the way he um, – like we are using mostly natural lighting obviously because yeah. there's no power and the fact that you get like a really awesome shot by like just pointing the camera like – that was pretty good. <laughs> like he was so good at that. And same with like, I was really green and um, this first AC kind of realized I was really green. So he was like teaching me everything on the fly. Like he was like, oh yeah. So if you want a data wrangle, like put a little box next to it. That's the um, hot cards and the <laughs> cards that are cleared and then tape everything. And I was like, oh yeah, all right, cool. Like that makes so much sense. <laughs> like I did this like one shoot and that it was just, it was called butter, a short film. 
um and um louis lao like just went through and was like these are all the basics yeah. And just like he was so nice about it. Like I was so green. I was just in it for the fun. I was like, let me just shoot. Didn't know anyone on set. And he just was like, Yeah, this is this is how this all works. <laughs> and slate it this way and like do it that way. And like that was the best. And like everyone's so willing to learn and yeah. teach. And also like I think people need to um learn even as they grow older like it's no one ever stops learning so yeah that's the cool part that we can we have this job where we literally get to learn every day yeah and that's so much fun <laughs> yeah right. no i'm i 100 agree that and i think that's like the, <laughs> i don't think there's ever been a set where i'm like oh i 100 percent know what i'm doing like i've never been in any situation where i'm like i know everything nope nope i will never know everything <laughs> yeah. it's impossible something always will happen and i'll be like i didn't know that and and i feel like the people who go to me oh i know everything i'm like you have given up yeah you <laughs> you've stopped um but yeah like yeah i 100 agree with that that's yeah that's the best kind of like way to live <laughs> yeah it's like you're never going to be bored at your job if there's always something no. new no and like i always say i'm like oh, if i get bored of film like i'll become tattoo artist or something like i'll do something <laughs> <laughs> like i'll go something back something else creative yeah yeah something else creative i'll do something like oh, i honestly got an offer to be like they were i was getting a tattoo and he was like yeah do you know anyone who'd like want to um <laughs> be an apprentice and i was like oh, ask me in like a little bit like, ask me in 10 years i'll be there yeah see if i burn out but the thing is is that i look at people like susan lumsden and um constantine and a bunch yeah. of like awesome dps and i'm like oh like they they're gonna work until they die and i can see myself doing that like, I think my stepdad retired recently and he's so excited about retirement. And I was like, I'm just going to keep working until I die. Like, our retirement age um, is estimated at 75, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, I'm just going to keep working and keep doing the film industry. Like, we get to keep learning, get to stay fit. Like, yeah. get to meet people every day. Like, we have one of the awesome best jobs like, <laughs> because of those reasons and it's like i will drop dead on the set yeah that is 100 percent my aim if i have not dropped dead at work i'm not loved yeah I, i'm not living what have you done like yeah, i, I know. mean <laughs> i've got to make records i've got to i've got to yeah. do the things especially like um you could retire at whatever age but like filmmaking's fun oh, <laughs> why stop it doing it 100 <laughs> um i think that's a perfect place to wrap us up but thank you jasmine for coming on it's been an absolute blast chatting with you <laughs> thank you for having me it's um, been great <laughs> good. i mean jazz where can people stalk you on the internet where can they find you um, if they want to stalk my instagram is jsuvi let me spell that out j-s-u-i-v-i <laughs> <laughs> and then my website's also that just <laughs> and then go and stalk you yeah and then they can stalk me on that how much fun yeah and i have so all i post is film content because i'm obsessed <laughs> go and stalk her it'll be a lot of <laughs> like a lot of lights and a lot of yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... so much content <laughs> 
Oh, um, but no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to go and check out more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.